From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. These days, a person can purchase a genetic test that can be done in their home to find out, for instance, whether they carry a gene that causes breast cancer. Science has advanced so that this information is easily gleaned from a sample of saliva for a few hundred dollars. Well, here to help make sense of this new genetics marketplace is Upstate's Director of Medical Genetics, Dr. Robert LaBelle. He's a professor with appointments in pediatrics, medicine, obstetrics and gynecology, pathology, and ethics. And today he's going to talk about genetic home testing kits. Welcome, Dr. LaBelle. Thank you. Some of the tests that are in the market are for genealogy, and some of them are for medical uses. Um, Correct. What's the difference? Is it the same test? Uh, No, not at all. Uh, So these things keep changing and evolving, and I should say that I'm, I'm not keeping up with the specifics of, of the industry. It's moving but fast. <laughs> it is. It's moving fast. And from the point of view of a clinician uh, in, uh, with genetics as a specialty, it's moving in the wrong direction, but that's, we'll come back to that. So the difference is uh, precisely what you said, namely, sometimes what they're looking for is markers that will tell you something about where your deep ancestry came from. It won't tell you the name of your great-grandfather, but it will tell you whether your great-great-great-greats came from, say, Northern Africa or Eastern Europe or Southeast Asia uh, because we all have innumerable markers and some of those markers are very common in certain parts of the world and very uncommon in other parts so that they're able to, to state with some statistical clarity uh, where those markers would have come from. So if you really need, if, if, if you've always said that you are of mixed European ancestry, German, Swedish, Czech, Hungarian, and you really want to know in detail whether you have, say, 3% of your genome from East Asia, which you might because the Hungarian part might have descended from Genghis Khan, well, you can find out. Right. What good that is is up to you to figure out. So it's a novelty, sort of. Yes, I find it of no clinical utility at all. (laughs) Although there was a case um, recently in, I think it was California, where um, detectives used a genealogy testing to trace and find a serial killer. Correct. Through family members or something. So... Most of us know all of our first cousins by name. Many of us know a lot of our second cousins by name. Few of us are in touch with many of our third cousins. And our fourth cousins are usually completely out of sight. I happen to be socially connected with an 11th cousin once removed who lives nearby here. We go to the same church. But that's because French Canadians know a lot about our ancestry. As it happens, because we share some of the genetic material with our third cousins, if you know my genome, you might be able to compare it with the genomes of other people who have put their samples into the database, and you might be able to triangulate to somebody of interest. Hmm. And so those three news stories in the last month or so Uh, All are stories about the use of these databases to triangulate to somebody that is highly suspected of of being a a bad actor. Interesting. And is a cousin to somebody 
who sent their sample in voluntarily. Wow. We're all so connected, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, well, all of these tests ask for a saliva sample. Is that as good as a blood sample for this sort of testing? It is when it is. I mean, the sample that's needed for a test is defined by the people who are doing the test and by the standards that they have established for how their laboratory operates and, and where they get statistical probabilities of accurate answers. It's just whenever I've gone to a doctor's office or whatever, it's a blood sample they take to do any testing. And now these home test kits are saying a saliva sample will give me, you know, some window into my medical situation. They will. But the degree to which your saliva might be contaminated by other genomes besides your own, like all the various bacteria and fungi that are living in our mouths, the extent to which they contaminate the sample may or may not matter. Uh. So that's why I say it depends on the protocols and standards of the laboratory. And if they know how to subtract out the noise from those other genomes satisfactorily Mm. so that they can believe that the report they're giving you is accurate, then they can, we presume. Okay. Well, you alluded to uh, this proliferation of, you know, home genetic testing as kind of moving in the wrong direction as to what you think. But are there benefits to direct-to-consumer genetic tests? Do you see any benefits? Well, sure, there are. Um, They can uncover specific risks and risk factors. Uh, Now we're talking about the other kind, right? Oh, yes, we've moved from genealogy. We've moved to the medical testing. But the kind that can tell me whether I have a factor that's going to increase or even decrease my risk for certain genetic disorders, uh, that can be very useful information in the right hands. The reason I believe that, that this whole program is going in the wrong direction is that it is not putting it in the hands of people with expertise who have a fiduciary responsibility to the person whose information it is to give them thorough, accurate, actionable information. They just give you the results. Correct. So you referenced the, uh, a gene associated with breast cancer. There are many genes associated with breast cancer. A couple of different mutations in the most famous of those genes are available in these panels. So if you come from a cancer family with a lot of breast cancer, you might be interested in your status. If you use this method to investigate your status and the report is that they do not find a breast cancer factor, you may think that you have investigated the question and have your answer. If you talked with a genetic counselor, board-certified genetic counselor about this, he or she looking over your pedigree might tell you that there are actually 20 different genes that could be of interest in regard to your family's presentation. You were tested for two different things in one gene. You weren't tested for thousands of things in dozens of genes. Wow. The way the board-certified counselor can direct your attention if you tell him your whole story. So if, if someone has test results from one of these uh, online or whatever s- sites that they uh, go to, are there genetic counselors? Could they make an appointment to come and see someone like yourself Yes. to go over all of this? Yes. Okay. But that's obviously an additional but, expense. and Right. Right. Um, and they might find out from us 
that when we investigate their personal and family history, we have a completely different approach we would have offered if we had been consulted up front. So where it's useful is where it, when it has positive results. So sticking with the breast cancer genetics example, if a change in, the breast, in this gene is found, then the person is flagged at increased risk for breast cancer and perhaps, by the way, other tumors besides breast, like ovarian and pancreas. And by the way, the pancreas risk is for both males and females. Men are not at risk for ovarian cancer ever, right? right? But they are at risk for breast cancer if they come from such a family. family. And after all, pancreatic is gender neutral. Okay. So once such a factor has been found, then they could talk to somebody with expertise about exactly how to approach this knowledge and how to use this knowledge to minimize their long-term risks. Or, but if it's negative, mm-hmm. they may say, oh, well, we've settled that when they really haven't. Are primary care providers um, equipped to have patients coming in with a printout of their genetic no. test? No. no. They're flummoxed usually by this and don't have the time. Uh, I was once in a forum in which uh, a highly placed executive in one of these companies was part of the forum. I won't say who or which. But this person said, uh, I don't understand why you clinical geneticists are unhappy with what we're doing. We're giving you more data. And my response to that was, but it's not more data that we need. It's more understanding. We have mountains of data. We need more understanding and more wisdom. And you're not giving us those. Um, Years have gone by since that conversation and it's still true. There's still more data, and we still yeah, need we more understanding. Yeah, we have even bigger piles of data now. <laughs> well, um, d- d- health insurers don't generally pay for these tests, do they? Or no. Have you heard of any? No. No, not the over-the-counter uh, direct consu- consumer ones. How would you advise someone uh, to make an educated decision about which company to use for genetic testing? If they're, if they're interested in doing this, how do they pick the right company? I don't know. Okay. You know, because if you have breast cancer running in your family, you want to get tested for all the genes that we know about, not just BRCA, not just the one. Well, you want to get tested for the gene or panel of genes that make sense to your specific story. And you're going to need the help of somebody with expertise in genetics to figure out which that is. It gets more complicated, too. Some insurers won't pay for testing at certain labs, but they will for other labs. Uh And so knowing where to turn for the right panel of genes at a laboratory that will be covered by your insurance gets to be complicated, and that's the sort of thing that genetic counselors know how to do. So that really a patient that has a family history that's significant should really come to a genetic counselor to find out what what to do and what would make sense to be tested for. Right. That would be the prudent thing to do. Well, nevertheless, these home testing things are proliferating and there's a lot of use. Um, Is there any way for consumers to know that their information is going to be kept private? Actually, I'm glad you asked that question because the answer has to be a flat no since the 
consent form usually has a box that has to be checked that says that they're giving permission to compare their findings to other people's findings. Mm. Uh, that is, after all, the only possible way to be successful with the genealogical approach <clears throat> when the question has to do with, you know, what's my deep genetic background? It's impossible to answer that question without comparing my information to databases of other people's information. So I can't possibly send my sample in without checking that box. And once I've checked that box, I've given permission to compare mine to others, which is how third cousins of people That's accused of criminal right. offenses have been brought in as accessories to finding the person of interest or even momentarily being suspect themselves. Right. At least one of those cases, the story was that somebody was thought to be a possible suspect, and then they looked further and excluded that person. Well, some people may say, well, I got nothing to hide, but doesn't, I mean, if information got out about uh, that you have a high likelihood of breast cancer or whatever, um, insurance companies might not want to insure you, is that correct? Well, insurance companies are under obligation to accept and insure people with pre-existing conditions under current law. Right, and that uh, may change. And yes, laws are always subject to change. And that's uh, health insurance, but there's other disability, long-term care, life, life. All of those have been exempted. The the genetic information. Non-Discrimination Act specifically exempts all those other insurers uh, from the use of genetic information. It was essential that they do that because if, if I could go for a million-dollar life insurance policy the week after I learn that I'm at high risk of dying in the next 10 years, uh, that would ruin the uh, life insurance industry, which I know might make some people snicker, but it would ruin the industry and and make life insurance unattainable for anybody. Sure. Yeah, makes sense. Well, let me ask you this. Um, can any of these genetic testing kits, um, can they tell me if I'm likely to develop Alzheimer's disease or cancer or some other disease? Can that information come back to me? Well, they can identify factors that tell you that your risk is higher than you would think uh, as just a member of the general population. They might be able to say that your risk for Alzheimer's is twice or five times the general risk. And if so, if the general risk is, well, let's say 2% and your risk is five times that, then your risk is 10%. It's not going to tell you that you are going to develop it. It's going to say your risk is higher. So if it tells me my risk for developing Alzheimer's is higher, what, what then? What do I do with that? Well, with Alzheimer's, I don't know that there are any particular strategies other than that early detection allows for certain medicines to be applied. So there are medications that uh, now slow the progress, and they're best used early in the process. So having a warning allows me to, uh, to talk to my physician about how we watch for early signs. So that can be useful. Yes, right. Okay. Um, if a parent does a genetic test, do the results offer any sort of information that would benefit that, that person's children? Because well, any factor that I have 
there's a 50% chance that I will pass it to each of my children, no matter what the factor is, whether the trivial, mm -hmm. you know, unusually shaped earlobe or the, or the serious thing like a uh, risk for early onset Alzheimer's. Uh, whatever I've got, there's a 50-50 chance that it goes to each of my children, good or bad. So then, yes, uh, knowing what I've got has a bearing on my children because they have 50% chance of having it too. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate the information. My guest has been genetics expert, Dr. Robert LaBelle. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.